Um, first church song that I think, uh, I'm pretty sure it's the first church song I ever learned. Uh, it's probably the first church song that most, uh, all of us learned was the song, Jesus Loves Me. Um, it's a song that, uh, has a lot of great truths to it. Uh, the first line of that song might actually be the most popular first line of any song that's ever been written. I mean, even most people outside the walls of the church have heard that very first line, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And uh, just so happens this morning, um, we are in our fourth day of Vacation Bible School, and our theme for, this, for today for VBS is Jesus Loves Me. And so we're going to be talking about that uh, this morning, about the amount of love that Jesus has for me, because that song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, For the Bible Tells Me So, um, is often, we've, we've almost relegated it back to just in like kids ministry or in kids Sunday school. We don't, we don't sing it much. Uh, now, we still sing songs about Jesus's love. We just sang one uh, about the love that Jesus has for us. Um, and there are other songs that, that we've sing about Jesus's love for us. Um, but there's some truths in that timeless song, Jesus Loves Me, um, that we must ever forget or lose sight of. And, and again, that's what we'll talk about today. When, when my kids were little, I used to uh, just kind of mess with them, and they'd do something, and I'd go, you don't, you don't love your old daddy, do you? And they'd always go, yeah, I love you. And I'd go, how much do you love me? And I used to love this. They'd stretch their arms out and go, I love you this. And they'd stretch out just as far as they could go, you know. And, and I think if you've had kids, you've probably done that, or you've done that with them yourselves. And, uh, and, I, and I love that. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, today looking at how much Jesus loves us, how much Jesus loves us. And so if you have your Bibles in John chapter 15, I'm going to ask if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word this morning in John chapter 15. We're going to start actually in verse 9, and we're going to read down through verse 13. Jesus says this in John chapter 15, verse 9, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love, or stay in my love, or live in my love. In my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Let's pray. God, today I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word, and now as we examine it this morning, I pray that I would decrease and the spirit living in me would increase, and the words would be shared would be yours and not mine. Father, I pray today that your spirit would move in our midst, and as we examine your word today, you'd receive the glory and the honor for that, and that, Father, you would speak to us in a way that we need to be spoken to, and that we would respond how you lead us to respond is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. That, that text is one of the more popular texts about the love that Jesus has for us in Scripture. I found it interesting as I was kind of looking through the text this week on, uh, to preach on this idea of Jesus loving me, that the theme more in the New Testament, there's way more um, verses of Scripture that tell us about God's love for us than verses that speak on 
Jesus's love for us. And, and while we know for sure that God loved us, the Bible tells us beyond a shadow of a doubt that God demonstrated his love in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5, 8. We know John 3, 16, most popular Bible verse probably in the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So we know those verses but there are a lot of verses that speak on the love that Jesus specifically has for us as his followers. And John chapter 15 lines those out, lines is one of the main verses. And then in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 is another one. And we're going to look at some things from Ephesians 5 2 in just a little bit. But this morning what I really want to do to examine and really come to an understanding how much Jesus truly loves us, I want us to examine a, a, about three principles from Scripture on the love that we know Jesus has for us, okay? And so the first one that I want us to look at this morning is I want to define Jesus' love for us. I want to define it for us because most of us know, and we've talked about this before, but there are a lot of different ways that we use the word love today. I mean, we, we throw that word around a lot for a lot of different reasons, like I, I love my wife, I love my baby, and I love my biscuits dipped in gravy. I mean, we, we throw that word around to mean a lot of different things. Now, I hope that I love my wife differently than I love my biscuits dipped in gravy, but we still use the same word. But in the Greek language, there are four words for love in Scripture, and we've talked about this before, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but the word in our text that Jesus uses in John chapter 15, it's also the same word that he uses, that Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 5, is the Greek word agape, love. Agape love. Now, agape love is different from all the other types of love. The essence of agape love is goodwill, benevolence, and delight in the object of the love. Unlike our English word love, agape is not used in the New Testament re to refer to romantic love. It is not the word that you would use to say, I love you to your spouse, okay, for romantic love. Nor is it referring to a friendship or a brotherly love uh, for which the Greek word phileo is used. So we wouldn't say to our friend, I love you. In Greek, you would not use agape, love, to describe that kind of love. That's a brotherly love, okay? Uh, but agape love involves faithfulness, commitment, uh, and it's an act of the will, and it's distinguished from all the other types of love in the Greek language because it has a very uh, lofty moral nature and a strong character because it goes beyond anything expected in return. To love with agape love is to love with no strings attached. It is to love in a way that doesn't matter what you get in return. It goes beyond what you expect receive in return. When you say you love a, uh, uh, your spouse, you expect something, you expect them to love you back. When you say you love your friend, you expect them to love you back. But agape love is to love in spite of how they might love you back. It goes well beyond any strings attached, and it is an act of the will. It is a choice that is made. It is a choice to be made. In other words, agape love is a love that reaches out to another person, again, with no strings attached. It is a love that sacrifices itself on behalf of the one loved with no thought of what might be received 
in return. Now, this is the type of love that characterizes Jesus' love for us. He loves us with no strings attached. And he does it by an act of the will. He chooses to love you and I. You see, the love that Jesus has for us is a love that reaches out again in, in such a way that it sacrifices itself on our behalf with no thought of what we might be received in return. This is the type of love, it, again, it's an act of the will, and this type of love always shows itself in its actions. The agape love always shows itself to be true in its actions. You always hear the, the statement, um, Actions speak louder than words, okay? Agape love is not lip service love. Agape love is proven through its actions. As a matter of fact, probably the best way to describe what that kind of love really is would be 1 Corinthians 13. Because in 1 Corinthians 13, which we often know as the love chapter, he describes for us, Paul does, a love and what it is. He says, love is patient, love is kind, it is not self-seeking, it is not boast, it is not proud, it does not keep a record of wrongs. You see what I'm saying? That's an action. Those are things you do. And agape love is an action, more, way more than it is a feeling. And so the love that Jesus has for us is an act of the will, a choice that has been made to look us with delight and with pleasure, with no strings attached. What an amazing, amazing love that Jesus has for us. So the next time you sing the song, Jesus Loves Me, really pay attention to that word love and realize how much he really does love you, no matter, irregardless of whether or not you love him back or if you mess up, it's irregardless. He loves you still. That's what the type of love that Jesus loves us with. The second thing I want us to see this morning is I want to describe it to you. I want to I look and maybe at the best I can, maybe draw a picture or give you a picture of what this kind of love looks like. And in order to do this, I want, to, I want us to see two things that are found in Scripture about the love that Jesus has for me that kind of describes it, okay? The first thing that describes the love that Jesus has for me is the depth for which he loves me, or the depth by which he loves me. You know, it's often been said that the depths of one's love for someone is revealed in their actions, not in their words. The depth, the true depth of someone's love for you is revealed in their actions more than it is in their words. And here are some ways that, that you can measure the depths of someone's love for you. I'll give you, there's four of them real quick. Um, number one, if you want to measure the depths of someone's love for you, look at the cost. Did it cost them anything to love you? Did it cost them anything? Look at, number two, look at your worthiness or lack thereof. Are you worthy of that love or are you unworthy of that love? Look at the greatness of the benefits you receive from that love. So when, you, when they love you, look at how much benefit that has for you, and that will help measure the depth of their love for you. And the fourth thing would be to look at the freedom from which they love you. Is it forced or is it a choice? Those are four ways that you can, you can measure the depths of someone's love for you. Now let's look at that in the, in the context of Jesus' love. Let's see, let's examine those four things and look at Jesus' love for us and see how that stacks up. Number one, um, look at the cost. The cost for Jesus to love you is everything. It costs Jesus 
everything to love you. You see, Jesus had to leave the throne of heaven. He had to leave the glory of heaven. He had to humble himself and become as nothing, become like as a servant, to be tempted in every way such as you and I, but yet with no sin in our lives. It cost him the glory of heaven to take on the humanity of man and, and, and carry that for 33 years in perfect obedience to the Father. It cost Jesus everything, and that perfect life led to a perfect offering of a sacrificial death for you and I on our behalf. Matter of fact, that's what Ephesians chapter 5 says, if you want to flip over there real quick, or I'll just read it to you. Listen to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Paul says, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God. So Jesus loved in such a way to offer himself. He had to leave everything and take on the humanity of man and carry that in full perfection until he willingly sacrificed himself on the cross of Calvary on your and I behalf. It cost him everything. Look at, uh, look at our worthiness. We are completely unworthy. He loves us, yet in our unworthiness. You see, at our, listen, at our worst, at our worst, we deserve death. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. At our worst, we deserve death. <laughs> and even at our best, everything that we do is still like filthy rags unto God. Even at our best, as believers, we still struggle with sin. Even at our best, we still have times where we reject the authority of God's word in our life. God ever told you to do something, you disobeyed it as a believer? I have. That's a rejection of the authority of God's word in my life. Even at my best, I've rejected the leading of the Holy Spirit from time to time. Even at my best, we have often shunned Jesus. We have often denied Jesus like Peter did. We have often offended Jesus. Jesus. We have often failed Jesus. We are completely, even at our best, unworthy of that kind of love, yet he loves us. Well, let's look at the third aspect of how to measure the depths of someone's love. Look at the benefits. You know, it's, it's nice when someone loves us and they, they give you something because they love you, but the benefits that Jesus gives us are literally out of this world literally out of this world. Because of the love that he has for us, we have an inheritance for us awaiting for us in heaven that far supersedes anything this world has to offer. It far exceeds anything uh, that we will have to go through on this world. It far exceeds all of that. When someone, listen, when someone helps you pass a test, you feel loved in a certain way, right? When, when someone uh, helps you get a job, you, you feel loved in a certain way, right? They helped you. When, but when, when someone helps you escape captivity, and someone helps you escape oppression, and someone helps you escape the change of bondage and escape the certain future of, of death, then you feel love in a completely different way. And that's the manner of love that Jesus has bestowed upon us. The benefits are out of this world. 
He releases us from our bondage of sin and shame and suffering. He releases us from the certain future of eternal death to be separated from God and all of his glory and all of his goodness and all of his holiness and all of his grace and all of his mercy to be completely separated from him. He released us from that penalty. The benefits are amazing. And then number four, look at that last one. Look at the freedom for which they love you. Do they have to or do they choose to? Well, agape love is a choice. So when you understand and see that Jesus loves you with agape love, you know that he chooses to love you. He is not forced to love you. He loves you because it's an act of his will. He loves you in spite of your problems. He loves you in spite of your failures and your shortcomings. That's why we tell people, you don't clean yourself up to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and let him clean you up. You see, Jesus loves you in spite of all that. And he doesn't have to love you. He chooses to love you. You know, one time um, I got into a disagreement with a guy, and it's a theological argument. People still argue it today, but uh, over uh, uh, an idea, a theology that says that um, um, if, if God gives you grace, you can't resist grace. It's called irresistible grace. That if God gives it to you, there's no way for you to resist it. And I said, which gives God more, more glory? Someone who has to love God or someone who chooses to love God? Now let's flip that around and look at it ourselves. Which gives God more glory? That Jesus has to love us or Jesus chooses to love us. Agape love is an act of the will. He is by no means required to love you and I, but he does. So when we look at the depths of Jesus' love, there is without question an immense depth for which he loves us. I like the way Paul sums this up in Romans chapter 8. Let me read it to you in Romans 8, verses 37 through 39. Scripture says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him, talking about Jesus, who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. The depth of Jesus' love goes well beyond anything that anything this world has to offer or anything this, anybody on this earth has to offer. It is a deep love he has for you. Number two, the second way I can describe it from Scripture is not only its depth, but its effect that it has on you and I. You see, when Jesus loves us, it has an effect on us. Agape love, again, is always shown by what it does. It's always revealed in its actions. And there are two things specifically that Jesus' agape love towards us does for us. Number one, it, it does for us, it led him to be sacrificed on our behalf. Agape love led him to be sacrificed on our behalf. Again, let me pull your attention to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself as an offering and a sacrifice to God. Jesus gave himself as an offering and a sacrifice for God on our behalf. The effect is that it led Jesus to sacrifice himself for us. The love that Jesus has for us is not lip service. 
It's not a lip service love. It's an action love. And that action is revealed in that it led him to the cross to be sacrificed for you and for me. The second way we can describe this, what it affects, it does, is it enables us to love. It enables us to love. First John chapter 4, verse 19 says that we love because he first loved us. You, so it, it, the only way that you and I can love is for him to love us first. You see, there's no way, and what that means is simply, there's no way for you and I to love God or Jesus the way we need to love him unless Jesus loves us first. And there's also no way that you and I can love one another with a no-strings-attached love that's irregardless of what you might receive in return, an act of the will to show benevolence and goodwill to someone. There's no way you and I can love like that until Jesus loves you first. You see, we love because he loved us first. And our love is, is towards God and towards fellow man. I like the way Jesus said this. He said, when they ask him what the greatest commandment, he says to love you, the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. But you and I cannot love that way unless Jesus loved us first. And he did. And that's what enables you and I to love. Because that type love is not a natural part of who we are. That is a, not a natural part of who we are, but when we become a believer in Christ, we receive this new nature, and if you want to read about this, you can in Colossians chapter 3. We receive this new nature from Christ, whereas it defines what our old nature was like, and then we receive this new nature in Christ, and it's only in that new nature that we find the ability to love the way we are to love God and other people. So that's the that what it looks like. That is a picture, that's a description of the love that Jesus has for us. And then lastly this morning is love displayed. I want to talk to you about this love displayed. Now, when someone loves you, it feels so good to see that love on display somewhere. Um, sometimes it's displayed in a card or a, excuse me, or a note or a phone call or in today's society, a text message. Sometimes that love that they have for you is displayed in that manner. Sometimes it's displayed in public, like a, a newspaper ad when you have an anniversary or something like that, and you, you put a picture of your significant other in there, and you state your emphatic love for that person, and you let it be known in a newspaper. Or uh, I love this one, at Valentine's Day, you flip open the newspaper, and all the grandparents have bought the ads for their grandkids. I never figured out why parents don't do that for their kids, but parent, grandparents do it for their grandkids. And you buy an ad and you put a picture of your grandchild in there and you state how much you love them. We love you. And then Gigi and Papa or Mimi and Papa. And you, you put that in there and you state your love publicly like in a newspaper or sometimes it's online sometimes you know you have a birthday or an anniversary and, and with social media you go on Facebook or whatever and you send a, a message to that person or you put a post about and you tag that person in this real nice feel-good post about how much you love and care for them and you do it for the whole world to see it, it's nice when someone loves us and it's displayed somewhere publicly, and other times it's just displayed in some kind of physical public action. 
Sometimes it's not on a social media post. Sometimes it's not in the newspaper. Sometimes the, the, the sight or seeing someone, seeing the love they have for someone is revealed in a physical action in front of everyone. In 1992, I was just old enough to really get interested in the Olympics. The Olympics in 1992 were held in Barcelona, Spain. And Barcelona was a special Olympics for America because it was the first time that we allowed our NBA uh, basketball players to play in the Olympics. Up until then, all we would use was college or amateur athletes, and all the other countries were using professional athletes, and we couldn't win gold medal at a sport we created. And so they changed the rule, and they allowed the NBA to allow their players to play, and we had a team called the Dream Team. And now this story's not about the Dream Team. I'm just telling you, I was just old enough to start enjoying basketball, and because they put together this Dream Team, it drew me to the Olympics. And I began to watch them all day long. Like, I'd get up in the morning, I'd turn it on, and I'd watch all day long. And I'd watch, man, I love, I'd watch basketball. I'd watch soccer. And I don't even really like soccer, but I'd watch soccer. I'd watch volleyball. I'd watch track and field. I'd, lo- I'd watch swimming. My favorite, by the way, in the summer is still swimming. I love to watch the swimming. But there was a track event and I was watching and I happened to see it live. And um, it has often been called the most memorable moment in Olympic history. But there was a, a runner from Britain. His name was Derek Redmond. And Derek Redmond was one of the fastest sprinters in the world. Matter of fact, he had just been a part in the world championships the year before. He was just a a part of the gold medal 400 meter, uh, meter relay team. He was one of the favorites to come in and win the 400 meter uh, race, the individual race. He was one of the favorites for that. He had one of the fastest times he ran the, the quarterfinal of the, of the Olympics, and he blew everybody away, and he entered into the semifinal race, and he got all lined up, and they sounded the gun, and he took off in a sprint, and he was heading out in front of everyone, and he started to come around that curve, and that's when it happened. He tore his hamstring. And he would later say that when that happened, he thought he had been shot. The pain was so severe, he thought he had been shot, and he fell. He fell to the ground on the track, writhing in pain, and he's trying to get up, and the people, the paramedics, the medics, they're trying to get to him, and he waves them off. He waves them off and says, get back, and he stands up, and he begins through, through an enormous amount of pain and discomfort, you can imagine, he begins to try to finish the race. And he is running with everything he can, which isn't much. I could have outrun him at that moment, I have no doubt. And I am the slowest individual on the face of the planet. And he was hobbling, and he was hurting, and you could see it all over his face. And as he rounded that last corner, and he started to head towards the finish line, at that moment, and you can Google this and YouTube it, it is amazing, you will see a man come running from out of the the stands and across the track and run up and grab him and put his arm around him and began to help him to the finish line just to find out that that was his father. His father came and helped him in his most, at that point in his life, the most needed moment of his life. Now, I tell you what, that is a very moving and inspirational story of a father's love, being on display 
for the whole world to see. Yet even in that story, it doesn't even come close in comparison to the display of the love of Jesus for you and me that was public for the whole world to see. What I'm talking about is that Jesus didn't whisper he loved you. He didn't send you a card and he didn't put it online. He didn't even come and help you with a physical foot race at a track meet that's big in front of the whole world. No. What Jesus did was leave the throne of heaven. He came and took on humanity. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He was betrayed by his friend. He was arrested in the garden. He was be beaten and scourged beyond recognition. He had a crown of thorns pressed on his head. He had a purple robe wrapping his naked body and then ripped back off. He was ridiculed. He was mocked. He was spat upon. He, he, he was drugged, and he had to carry his own cross at least part of the way to a place called Calvary where he was laid on a sinner's cross. And his hands and his feet were pierced with the nails. And then he was hung to be crucified for you and me in front of the whole world to see. There has never been a love displayed that even comes close to the display of Jesus' love for you. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, it was for the glory set before him that Jesus endured the cross. It's that glory, the chance to have a relationship with you and to redeem you back to God where you couldn't go on your own. Jesus said, and I read it a second ago in John chapter 15, verse 13, greater love has no man than this that he lay down his life for his friends. You see, you and I, we were in desperate need of someone to come and to take our penalty, to take our shame, and, and to take our, our, what we deserve, take our punishment, and Jesus did that. And he didn't do it in the quietness. He didn't do it in the secret. He did it in public for the whole world to see because he loves the whole world. He died for the world. Now, I want you to know, others may have let you down by whispering, I love you, while simultaneously jabbing the knife in your back. Still, others may have said they loved you and how much they loved you just to run off into the arms of another man or another woman. But the love of Jesus is nothing like that. You see, the love of Jesus is so vast, we can't escape it. It's so powerful that it led him to sacrifice himself on our behalf. It was displayed for the whole world to see as he was stretched out on the cross for you and for me. Oh, 